Hey guys, Rachel here. So it is officially fall. Like it's officially like almost the end of the year, guys. Like this is crazy how fast this year has gone by. Uh, so yeah, so obviously with us getting into fall, that means a lot of people, not everybody, um, but a lot of people are pretty much packing up for the rest of the year when it comes to racing a lot of um a lot of tracks are going to be done for the year and so obviously that means what prepping for next year or maybe not i mean you know you could possibly not be racing the car that you're currently racing right now you know maybe you're gonna pack it up and do something else or or maybe trade for a different type of car or maybe expand and get two cars instead of one. Um, so what do you do whenever you're needing that type of um, equipment? Um, so yeah, you could possibly go on Facebook, but let's be real guys, not very many people are selling racing parts on on Facebook or race cars on Facebook. You'll see them every now and then, but you don't see a ton. You don't get a huge selection. So where do you go? You go to racingjunk.com and you can sign up for a free account and go in there, buy, sell, whatever your heart desires and, uh, and definitely check it out. Like I said, you can create a account for free. There are paid tiers as well. So check out racingjunk.com and they are the official classified for race wife unfiltered. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill, and today we have a special guest with us. She is a micro sprint racer, um, and she was racing in Arizona, but now she is currently in Oklahoma, and uh, she's a first-generation racer as well. So welcome, Ashley Aftal. Hi, Ashley. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. <laughs> Obviously, if you guys haven't been following Ashley, her making that trip from Arizona to Oklahoma was a crazy move. Yeah. <laughs> it was gnarly. I think we're about technically like 19 hours from where we originally were in Arizona. So it's definitely a haul going back and forth. Um, but we did it back and forth a couple times a month to race out here. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just one of those things where we were me and my boyfriend were at a time in our lives where we're like, you know what, like if we want to take racing more seriously and want to go full time, then we got to move where racing is. And it's micro sprint racing out here is huge. Right. So made the move and brought the dogs out here. And <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah, no. And you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, that area is just, I mean, you guys can race like every single weekend and not have to worry about anything. Yeah, it's crazy because back in Arizona, I mean, there's a lot of racing, mm -hmm. just racing's really died out down there, which is crazy to think because besides right. the summer, like our 
weather year round is mm-hmm. winters out there. You would think you'd be running every weekend, but right. fortunately racing kind of died out there. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. born and raised in Arizona too. So it's definitely weird being where there's green. I'm used to brown. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's a huge change. Um, And also, I mean, now I don't know, like, has it been like any type of culture shock for you? Like, are people different in Oklahoma compared to Arizona to you? Not really. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived in Arizona, like I grew up in the city and then Mm -hmm. I kind of born in the outskirts a couple years ago. So I'm kind of used to that. Uh, So moving out here, definitely like we're in a, we're kind of a ways away from the city. So Mm -hmm different not being able to go 10 minutes to in and out burger that's really the only thing i truly miss is my my trusty in and out burger my two week a run trip is non-existent <laughs> and you know it's crazy that you say that because we had moved to like the dallas fort worth area for a little while that was like six years ago and that was the first thing we did when we got off the interstate was go to in and out because it's I was like, a- we've never had it before. And I'm like, yeah. I've got to do it because I know that's like the only place we can yeah. like get it. And yeah, like we pretty much lived there, like while we lived out there, we were out there for like seven months and we probably ate in and out every single week that we were oh, out yeah. there. I ate it an absurd amount, especially after race days because <laughs> You know, after yeah. you get done racing, it's like midnight. And right. Open. And so we always used to go to in and out. So I definitely ate it so much. I got sick of it for a second, but I was like, I know I'm never going to get it again. So right. we went to, we went to uh, Texas Motor Speedway um, mm-hmm. when they micro sprint race. I was like, I'm only going to watch because I like racing more if we go to in and out. So that was the only thing that enticed me to drive three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll do it. Fine. Twist my leg. <laughs> Yeah, and it's crazy the things that you miss though. But I mean, unfortunately, In and Out doesn't come past Texas, and it's like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know why. It's just a big. I don't really know. It's huge in California, mm-hmm. Arizona, one in Oregon. Uh, it's kind of like Bucky's. There's only certain places that have it. Which, right. Like, this is so amazing. So worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for some reason they just stick to the west and like i know that mm-hmm. at one time like somebody had asked like the owners um you know in an interview if they would ever expand past that and they said no like they want to just pretty much stick to the west but i don't know i mean that was that was quite a few years ago so you never know they could yeah. always end up changing their minds but that was what it yeah. was they were like we don't want to go any further than texas i'm like mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they just want it to be so a Western if it's working, thing. Yeah. yeah, if it's working, why fix it? You're like, I'm already <laughs> making enough money here. Why expand? <laughs> right. I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, sometimes that's what they just want to do is like specialize in a specific yeah. area, you know, niche down. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, but yeah. yeah, they had said that in an interview one time. And I was like, oh, well, that's different, you know, because most people want to yeah. like expand as far as possible and they just want to like you know go as far as they can but they're like no we just want to keep it in the west and that's it so we'll see though you never know um they can always change their minds later that is true yeah so obviously you started racing a little bit later um in life because you know most most people, you know, on the dirt side tend to start when they're like really small, but you started carts at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so, yeah. So 
what made you start like at 17? Like, were like, did your parents like, were they racing or was, I mean, were they really into so, racing? Uh, I kind of grew up going to the dirt track mm -hmm. when I was probably like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. We had oh, Manzanita okay. Speedway out here in Arizona. And so sprint cars and all that were really big. Uh, and my dad made the mistake by taking me one time because then I got hooked. But um, <laughs> we would go every weekend and it was just something that we did as a family. And mm -hmm. I really just fell in love with dirt track racing. There was one female racing at the time and I was like, that's incredible. Like a girl's doing it. Like I want to do that. Like that's mm -hmm. amazing. So we grew up around it. Uh, when I was probably like 10 or 12, my dad got my siblings a couple asphalt go-karts. Okay. Uh, they didn't really have like the want to really race them, mm -hmm. but unfortunately he kind of needed to sell them for money. And we kind of had to, I was too small anyways to race. Like mm -hmm. now I feel like kids are racing when they're five, but like yeah. 10 years ago, I feel, feel like people didn't start until they were like 15. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like they're getting, they come out into the world and they have a steering wheel. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I didn't really get the opportunity and it was just more of like a money thing. I'm a first generation racer. Mm -hmm. My dad always supported me to race, but he told me, Hey, like I'll support you like emotionally and mentally, but I can't support you physically financially. Mm -hmm. Like you had to find funding yourself. So right. I kind of did uh, like YouTube for a while to raise money. I worked all these odd end jobs at a photo and video business and racing kind of where I was at, Manzanita closed down. So people okay. didn't know like if there's any more racing and we didn't end up finding a track called Arizona Speedway until I was probably around 15 years old. And we were like, hey, they're actually still racing. That's crazy. And I kind of just reignited that fire to like want to actually race. And the girl uh, that I envied when I was young racing, she actually was racing sprint cars. She was racing okay. my time. So she was still doing it. And so I ended up going in the pits and meeting her and all these things. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, you're still racing. Like, you're the reason I even wanted to race. And then things kind of happened. I was doing video at the time full time. And I ended up doing a documentary for her. Oh, and okay. she said, hey, like, you know, you should get into racing. And I was like, oh, man, like, I just don't have the means to run micro sprints right now mm -hmm. or anything. They're not even running them at Arizona Speedway, you know, and I can't afford a sprint car. And she's like, oh, well, did you know, like, they do dirt cart racing and stuff like that? And I had no idea because it was more like, I guess if you're in the Midwest, uh, dirt cart racing is like NASCAR 2.0. It's very serious. You're running mm -hmm. on slick tires. It's a whole ballgame. But in Arizona, it's not like that. Okay. Uh, it's more like I call it backyard karting, <laughs> which sounds really bad, but you have backyard races. Um and so I went to a backyard karting thing, and at that time I was 17, and mm -hmm. I met a guy, Tony Morris, who ran the club. It was the Arizona 212s, and okay. it was basically a stock go-kart class you can get into, uh, and it cost, I don't know, like a couple hundred. It was $100 for the motor, all the mm -hmm. pieces obviously add up, Harbor Freight 212 motor and everything like that. And we got into it, and my dad said the same thing. He said, hey, cool that you want to get into racing, but like I said, like I you know, it's a single income home and I right. can't afford for you to do it. And obviously starting off, it's not like you can get sponsors if you've never raced a day. Right. So I kind of met with Tony and got with him and ended up saving every single penny that I could and bought my first go-kart for 500 bucks, <laughs> um, ran it for a few months. And then eventually just from there learned how important the marketing game was because I knew my name had nothing to it. Like right. I'm not, no one knows who I am. So I really mm -hmm. took marketing and all that really seriously. And, and because I knew I had such a late start compared to everybody else. 
so I ran go-karts for a few years. And then um, at that time, I really wanted to move up to micros. I had a contract actually in place to run for a team out here. And at the last second, he pulled out right before the season started. And, and at that point, I was kind of like, I'm never going to run anything besides go-karts. Like, this is where it ends. Like, I'm, I'm not that time, 19, 20, mm. 20, 21, like 20 area. And I feel like there's such a stigma around age in racing. Yeah. Like, when I first got into racing, I was like, by the time I'm 18, I'm running sprint cars. Then it's NASCAR and all that. Mm -hmm. I'm 25. I'm but now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, if you're still enjoying it, then who cares? So yeah. I was running go and then uh, Tony Morris, the guy who ran the go-kart club, uh, his son ran a micro sprints. Um, mm -hmm. And two years ago, his wife and son actually passed away in a car accident from oh. a drunk driver. Um, and Tony and I have been close for many years. And uh, he, at this time, wanted to really pivot to running micro sprints and kind of carry his son's name on and, and try the micro world. Like Tony's mm -hmm. a go-kart guy. Amazing. He can run the backyard stuff and then come out here in Georgia and like dominate so he got into micros and he knew that it was something that i always dreamed of doing and always posted about doing that's what i was working for and uh he said hey come out you can help wrench on the cars mm -hmm. let's see if it's something you're interested in and then months and months went by and he ended up purchasing my first micro for me so he became my car owner oh, okay. and uh it's, it was actually dominic selzy's original micro sprint so she she's an old one had no mm -hmm. power steering to run this for a year and i want to see if this is what you want like i'm not yeah. gonna get you a dollar car so yeah that happened and now we're here in oklahoma running micro sprints full time it's pretty crazy yeah yeah it's crazy how you get your start but but i mean it, it was an amazing thing that tony took that chance on you because you know if it wouldn't if that wouldn't have happened i mean who knows you know where you would have ended yeah. up now you know yeah no for sure i'm forever grateful for him he definitely gave me the the opportunity i think a lot of people probably wouldn't if you've never seen someone race a micro sprint why you know that's a hard that's from go-karts to micros that's a pretty big oh yeah big jump so mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty great yeah yeah because that's how my husband got his start he started in carts too you know dirt mm -hmm. carts and then um went to you know a, a 600 and mm -hmm. then jumped from there to a dirt late model that's and crazy. yeah, it's, it's a lot of unlearning things and trying mm -hmm. to, you know, figure it out. Um, but we had to, because unfortunately sprint cars are just dying here you yeah. know, in Louisiana. There just isn't anything like, you and know, I, well, I feel like a lot of places are like that too. Like mm -hmm. I used to always look at Knoxville as like, that's so cool that they mm -hmm. run the 305s, the right. 360s. Like you're able to move up where mm -hmm. you're okay, well, after a go-kart, you go 410 racing. It's like, oh, uh, no, <laughs> that is bad. I've written all over it. Like, so, yeah, um, luckily they opened a couple micro sprint tracks out there and now mm -hmm. it's getting big where people can have that stepping stone because I think that's a, the one downside about dirt racing. It's like asphalt, they have practice days and all that. Right. Not like, and he told me that, like my third race ever was a Tulsa shootout. He said, oh, wow. Yeah. He's not throwing you in the wolves. Either you can hang, you can't. Like, which I'm very thankful for. Mm -hmm. And I got really used to from, you know, go karting, just getting thrown in with everybody. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, that's crazy that the Tulsa shootout was literally your third race, though. Yeah. Like, that, it was, it was yeah. nerve wracking to say the least. <laughs> Obviously. But because, I mean, that's, that's just like one of those races that, like, most people, 
you know, prepare for pretty much like their whole entire racing career. And you're yeah. just like three races in. All right. Yeah. I'm Good gone. luck. Go on out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. But yeah, but like you're, you're right. I mean, you know, it, it just seems like with Sprite cars, it's just, I don't know what, what, why it's like that, but it just seems mm -hmm. like there's just not a ton of, you know, places that are willing mm -hmm. to run them. And I get it. And like some, some places it's due to liability, you know, yeah. sprint cars are, you know, they are, you know, they're, they can be dangerous. And I mean, you know, it's very easy to tear up stuff and flip them and everything yep. in between, you know, for sure. Um, especially when you do them without a wing, you know, yeah. like, so I, so I get it, but at the same time, it's like, it makes it really hard for people that truly want to do this full time. Because like, for example, like with you, like I me, mean, you moved 19 hours away mm -hmm. to be able to do this full time. And, and you know, you're very fortunate, but yeah, for somebody that like only runs like locally and yeah. their local track closes or something like that, and they can't afford to move across the country or like, or yeah. even like eight seven hours away yeah. you know it make yeah it makes it hard that's why we had to give up sprint cars because we were having to travel all the time like yeah. we were having to go to dallas or we were mm -hmm. having to go to houston you know like beaumont area yeah and then or we were having to you know go into florida or wherever and yeah that's like that just gets so expensive that we had yeah. to and that's kind of where we were at. And, mm -hmm. you know, I ran my local track at W Mountain Speedway for about a year and I actually raced in the center of it and go-karts mm -hmm. place. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for us was just the talent, like, you know, and there's no bash on a W right. Mountain Speedway. There's no local, you know, I, that's just how racing is dying out there. Mm -hmm. So I can become a local hometown hero right. there, but you know, then you race out of town and you get slaughtered. That was kind of our thing. It's like, well, we have an end goal. We want to, you know, do better and get better. Mm -hmm. Racing local track is that's we're not going to get there. And so we were traveling all the time out of town and it just got expensive. And I always, you know, explain to people because, you know, I've been in with a year and it's already right. tough enough being a female in motorsports where a lot of people are like, oh, well, you went to Port City and like you can't even make it out of the B main where it's like, actually, like, our Adobe Mountain Speedway, our top three guys come is like racing a B main. Like the right. top level is insane. Mm -hmm. Like there's not one bad car that runs at Port City and no right. one gets all different. Like, mm -hmm. but people who know if you only race at your local track and you never travel, it's now I always now I understand when people run the Tulsa shootout and it's always Oklahoma people that are running. Mm -hmm. I don't even know who these people are. It's talent, like California. Yeah. I've always said you go to California, you race talent, obviously, but you race money. Where mm. Oklahoma, you're racing talent. Like right. there's cars that pull up and you're like, there's no way that thing <laughs> that who be my no, but they do. It's insane. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, racing in Oklahoma is gonna be different. And, mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, you know, there's there's more talent. Yeah. Because the thing is. They don't have a ton of money to put towards towards their equipment so they're going to make sure that that equipment Everything. works that yeah. it, that like that equipment is getting used and abused you yeah, know 100 no, and they're just driving is so much like mm -hmm. i have so much trust in them and i don't even know half the people compared to back home it was dodging squirrels as i'd like to say <laughs> just because it's different out there like that's a different type it's a flat track where you know right. port cities have banked 
tiny bull ring and I mean you're side by side and it's crazy just how people drive there and then you go there and you're like oh I get it now they've been doing this since they were in junior sprints at 10 years old right yeah 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 and 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 I mean that that's another thing too it's like depending on how long you've raced and like what you've moved mm -hmm. up out of too makes a huge difference because it's like if you've been in sprint cars for a while like like you said like junior sprints and then moving up through sprint cars yeah it's like you're gonna have an advantage you know at first mm -hmm. because obviously you've you've been in that car so long that you know yep. your driving style has you know improved and you you've been able to like put some seat time into those cars but for somebody yep. that's just like jumping out of a car like what you did and then moved into mm -hmm. a micro sprint obviously it's going to take you a little bit more time to adjust to that mm -hmm. type of car and get the seat time in and and that's the biggest thing is seat time but see it's like if you are in an area where you don't get a lot of seat time because like either you're you know you only have like one track like what that's part of the reason why my husband struggled for a while yeah. with the dirt lane model is because all of our tracks pretty much have closed we only have one track that we can go to that's close and that's baton rouge raceway and they race only every other weekend so my husband doesn't yeah. get a ton of seat time and so that you know that's why it took so long for him to finally get comfortable with the car it took three years because yeah. you know because we just don't really have a way for him to get enough seat time so yeah like that's why like if you're able to live in an area where you can race on a very consistent basis that helps but unfortunately you know sometimes people live in areas where they can't run all the time yeah and like i said that's kind of like in arizona like mm -hmm. man i want to say maybe 20 races a year like it's twice oh, wow. a month that, yeah where here i think they maybe run like 40 something races in a micro like we mm -hmm. race we practice tomorrow and then there's a race thursday friday and saturday and it's the kcam give back and it's a huge race weekend and it's just like you just can't beat that like if racing's yeah. that we want to do you know you kind of have to take that leap and, and be out here and you know i think it, i can get hard on myself because you're mm -hmm. racing against people you know who are just so incredibly good but then you're yeah. like oh you know what those people have been racing for like 20 something years if they're not beating me they need to check their race program because like their talent is just unmatched like right. i try to, like put them in perspective like moving out here it's like starting from zero mm -hmm. yeah I've been micro for a year this is technically my second year but technically also not even a full rookie year rate running poor you know what i mean right like, you ran there 10 times like mm -hmm. where people have ran there 400 times right yeah yeah you're absolutely right it's like because you just haven't gotten enough seat time because because your racing schedule was limited you know mm -hmm. because and that's just because of you know the environment that you were in yep. and that's why you guys moved is so you mm -hmm. could start getting that seat time and yeah and i mean you'll you know you'll eventually get to that you know to that same level as them yep. you know it's just going to take you a little bit more time because you know your first year you what raced maybe 10 20 times and that's it yep. yeah so but yeah you'll definitely get there is but you you have the opportunity now to get that seat time because you can pretty much race every weekend yeah <laughs> as long as i keep it down on all fours <laughs> and i'm gonna flip like i did the other weekend then we'll be fine <laughs> right right yeah i mean and for people that don't know much about sprint cars they're so light it does not take much 
to pop yeah. a wheelie on it no. written in like <laughs> at all. I'm used to running a lot of wing, like in Arizona, mm -hmm. they run wing one weekend. Not oh, okay. Yeah. For here, you can either run non-wing or wing. Like they wing. just have mm -hmm. that cars. Uh, but my boyfriend typically runs non-wing just because he likes a lot better. And mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people also don't know because they're like, oh, why aren't you running both classes this weekend where it's literally just me and him? Like we oh, are okay. yeah. for our pit people. Mm -hmm. Like my car, help him. He works on my car, and, you know, vice versa. Right. So he typically runs non-wing just so it's mm -hmm. so we're not in the same class. And then I run wing. Uh, just I don't know why there's a huge thing about wing and non-wing. Same thing in sprint cars, same thing in micros. They're mm -hmm. like on wing you have no talent if you run non-wing you do but like they're both equally hard yeah uh, so every time i run non-wing my boyfriend's always like i don't know if you should run non-wing like you just don't got that wing on top of you and i'm like oh it's fine so the other weekend we swapped and then i go and flip four times so i'm like oh okay wow <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> yeah um yeah see here um people didn't really run without the wing um you mainly had to go to like texas to really yeah. see that um and yeah i i got the chance to see um the um midgets um uh, you know non-wing um and i'm trying to think what track that was oh i can't remember but <laughs> it, yeah but it was in texas though um and oh my god yeah like they rip yeah they do and mm -hmm. oh and they flip oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah like, when they flip they're uh they're going for a ride that is oh uh, yeah yeah it, it was crazy though because we you know we got we got a chance to watch them from the infield and yeah it, it was definitely an experience um but yeah like um my husband always wanted to try and do that like non-wing but like i don't know that was but that's just something that they don't they don't they don't wouldn't race without yeah. the wing here at all mm -hmm. like it has to be wing um yeah. and we do now we we do have a sprint car um uh, like um like it's a small uh group of guys that run but when i say they might run once a month and that's yeah. it and so like that's why my husband was like there's no point of me going back to a sprint car because they travel all the time you know yep. first of all but they might race once a month and he's like there's no point of me putting all that money into a sprint car again to race once a month when yeah. with the late model we can race every weekend if we truly wanted to travel but right now you know we just yeah we don't but yeah like we could race pretty much anywhere but with the sprint car it would have been like a once a month thing so. Yeah, and like even here, like running micros and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of people who run micros just for like two years, and they'll move up. And like, I don't get me wrong. If I had a 410 opportunity, mm -hmm. I could run a trophy truck. Sign me. <laughs> but uh, just the micro scene, especially out here, it's gotten so big, and there's some mm -hmm. pretty good payout races um, where it's kind of like. I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself and moving up where now I'm like, you know what? Like I've always dreamed of racing anything. Like I'm right. very thankful to even race a micro sprint. Like they're not cheap, like how they used to be. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I'm okay with just running micros right now and getting mm -hmm. better because like you said, like, yeah, sprint cars will be cooler, but man, I mean, late models are equally as cool in my opinion, but <laughs> they're racing late models more. So it's like, why not just do that? If you can run more and have fun, like that's mm -hmm. what it's be about. So. Yeah. Like, would I want to run midgets? Yeah. Would I want to run sprint cars? Yeah. But right now, running micros is yeah. pretty 
they're twitchy little cars, but they sure are a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, right now that I mean that's the best thing for you, you know, mm -hmm. because you can't because you can run on a consistent basis. And yeah. yeah, and I mean, once you've gotten the seat time and stuff, if you choose to move into something else by that time, I mean, sure, why not? Like if the yeah. opportunity comes, you know take it, you know, if that's truly what you want to do at that time. But yeah. for now, you know, this is, you know, this is what you guys moved out there for and, yeah. you know, and you make the best of it. So, but yeah, like I, I totally get that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes that's what you have to do is you have mm -hmm. to like, you have to leave where you've been just to be able to, you know, live out your dream. And I mean, you know, you guys took that chance. So yeah, it was definitely scary at first. Obviously I'm born and raised in uh, Arizona, mm -hmm. you know, my family and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, if I don't go out there and move and at least try to race mm -hmm. better then I'll always regret, like not trying. And right. Doing, you know what I mean? Like racing is something that I want to do full time where instead of just racing there 12 times a year and having to have a corporate job where I'm so incredibly unhappy, mm -hmm. like, me i'd rather live you know a couple more years pushing for racing and living my best life than being unhappy so we moved out here and got some land we'll get some cows soon i want a highland cow those would be really cute. nice got our <laughs> shepherds out here and a little rescue dog and they've got lots of property to run so yeah not a bad deal yeah no definitely not and i mean and, and like you said it's like you would have just been like, well, what if I would have mm -hmm. done this instead of just sitting there and just being like, eh, you know what? No, I'm going to stay here. But mm -hmm. you took that chance. And yeah. And I mean, you know, and if for some reason it doesn't work out, at least, you know, that you try right? Yeah, instead of just staying in Arizona and not taking that chance on yourself. Yeah, so. no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, and like you said, you know, it's like, do I want to stay in Arizona and get a corporate job and be unhappy and not and not pursue my dream? Mm -hmm. You know, even though that means I have to move 19 hours away, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, especially nowadays, technology, FaceTime your yeah. FaceTime your family, you know, if yeah. for some reason, you know, like they want to possibly fly out to a race maybe or something like that every now and then whatever. But I mean, you know, we have that technology now yeah. where like you can see them face to face just yeah. through your phone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, why not take that chance on yourself? And it's like, yeah. And like you said, if it doesn't work out, okay, you could always move back home, mm -hmm. you know, like there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. But yeah, yeah like, I don't blame you. It's like, why stay and then get a corporate job that you just don't want to do? And it's like, you're just going to be like, well, what if I would have done this? What if I would have actually gone out there and tried? And yeah, like, why not pursue your passion? Even if that means you have to, you know, in your mind, almost start over. Right. Yeah. Because like, you know, you're, you didn't know anybody out there. Like yeah. you're just moving to a place that you don't really know. You don't know anybody out there, but it's like, why not start over and, you know, pursue your passion full time? Yeah, it's definitely nice. It's definitely nice just getting a new start and mm -hmm. 
don't know. So far, so good. Haven't seen a tornado yet, so that's good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's been no tornado going through my yard, so make sure I cross my fingers on that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't seen the winter here yet, so I could be regretting my choice in about two months, but as of <laughs> right now, it's looking pretty good. And I've just mm -hmm. kind of always been like that my whole life, like just learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Like, right. uh, I don't know if you know who like Roman Atwood is and stuff like that. He's a vlogger yeah. on YouTube. And, you know, he always said fun is on the other side of fear. And it's so mm -hmm. true. It's the most nerve wracking thing you'll ever do. And I've just really learned that you have to step out of your comfort zone. And right. Anything in life that you want to mm -hmm. do unless you and there. Don't get me wrong. There's people that are happy that go to college and become lawyers and become doctors and they're satisfied, like, yeah, by all means. But, you know, for me, I always saw the greater picture. There was something I always wanted to do above racing and, you know, mm -hmm. racing the opportunity to really work on having a community and, right. and people aside from just winning races, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I, I actually know who you're talking about and yes, he's absolutely right. And like, and that's the thing that we, a lot of us, cannot get past that fear because mm -hmm. I mean, it's our subconscious mind that it's doing yeah. that to keep us safe. And I, and I, and we get that, but at the same time, it's like, sometimes our subconscious will cripple us from being able yeah. to actually do like what we're truly passionate about and like what our life purpose is because it's so ingrained in us as a yeah. society to not step out of our comfort zones, you know, cause it's like, Oh, pretty much, you know, you have to get that corporate job. You have to do the nine to five. You have to have the white picket fence suburbia yeah. life. Right. And like, it's just been so ingrained in us for so long. And it's a generational thing, like multi-generational mm -hmm. thing that when anybody wants to step out of that norm, they get, it's like, people ostracize you. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you just wanting to go race full time? Like, why are you wanting to do this? This is not normal. Like, you know, and, yeah. and when you have that negativity coming at you like that, because it's just so different and it's not the norm of like what most people's lives look like. It's like, sometimes that can make you like automatically crawl back into like, you know, mm -hmm. your safe space and be like, you know what? They're yeah. right. No, I'm not going to do it. You know? And, and it's sad because a lot of people pretty much give up on like what they truly would want to mm -hmm. do because of that. Because, you know, that external validation is that it, yeah. it, it can eat you alive, you know, if you let it, if you let it. And so, yeah, yeah. I, totally get that. And see, I was a product of that. I was a product of my own environment. And it's like now, I mean, I'm 37 and I'm just getting out of that external validation and not, and wanting to pretty much start my whole entire, entire life over and get out of the corporate yeah. world. And it's crazy because it took me so long, but it was because I was constantly listening to other people and not doing what I truly wanted to do because I wouldn't take yeah. that chance on myself. And so, yeah, so it's like, I love seeing people do that. And like, you're like, you're literally like a testimonial of doing that because you literally were like, I'm packing up my life here and moving 19 hours away to someplace. I don't even know anybody. I don't know anything about the place because mm -hmm. this is what I truly want to do with my life. And yeah, I mean, I, I love that for you because <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah, because I mean, most people won't do it, you know? 
I think for me, like when I did YouTube full time, I was probably 14 or 15 and I tried to be okay. a beauty group and I learned really early on, mm-hmm. like, like to me, my dad was always like, how do you deal with people commenting on your videos saying that yeah. you're ugly or you'll jump off a bridge? And I kind of just always use that to fuel my fire. Like when I raced go-karts, I thought this will be fun. I'll get to race mm-hmm. with men. Like, I understood the girls in motorsport and how it could be tough, but I didn't really understand it until I was in it. Right. Because, you know, five years ago, I feel like people didn't really talk about how tough it was. Like you had damage mm-hmm. certain people, but people really didn't speak about how actually mm-hmm. it was difficult. So I got into go-kart racing and at first it was all the men were like, oh my God, like love to help you out. What do you need? And then when I became competitive, it right. was, mm, don't talk to me. I've had, you know, one particular guy multiple times quarter me at my truck and say, I will put you in a hospital if you finish in front of me again. Like, oh my God. At being 17 years old, a grown man at 40 years old should never tell somebody. Oh that. no. So I think I got really lucky really early on of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, I want nothing more in life than to prove you wrong. And right. that next weekend, I went and beat him and everything like that. And I've just really used that to my advantage in moving out here, you know, and people I've talked to before were like, hey, like, you know, micros aren't going to happen. Like, it's time to hang up your helmet. Like, go-karts aren't going to carry you. Like, it's time to move on, which I guess I'm not really a realistic person person necessarily like i'm very optimistic i'm like yeah what could happen i could win the lottery i'm gonna mm-hmm. take it anyway so but i think on the hate side of it uh i really used it to get me out of my comfort zone like there's times when i had to call sponsors and like i was like absolutely not like i'm not going on the phone with a sponsor like that's nerve-wracking i'm 18 years old like i didn't no way and then i just learned you know what like by doing this it's going to get me one step closer to what i want to do and it's that's one step closer of looking at everybody saying you know what i did the damn thing like yeah and so i feel like just moving out here it's really pushed me just being like you know what like whether we finish in the back or not like i'm doing more than any of the people that told me i, I couldn't do it and i think that's something mm-hmm. that's important like obviously any racer wants to win that's not you know if ands yeah. or buts about it but for me it's about helping like the younger generations and the younger females like hey like it's going to be tough you're going to get mm-hmm. hate comments but use that to your advantage and prove them wrong type of yeah thing. exactly it's like you know i mean and just to quote bruno mars right like you know don't believe me just watch right yeah like no, obviously it's true it's exactly what it is it's like fine you know you don't you don't believe in me oh well okay well yeah. watch me like prove you wrong it's like because it's true like we i mean sometimes that's what that's what we need like to fuel yeah. our fire because it's like oh well you think that i can't do it okay well i'm gonna prove you wrong and i'm even gonna do it better than what you expect from me like i'm yeah. going to like go beyond your expectations and sometimes that's what it does you know it does it's like it's kind of like a kick in the ass right like yeah. you pretty much it's like okay well I'm, you know, I'm going to do it and you're going to see. Um, and yeah, like, and I don't know. It's like, sometimes that's what we need because Mm -hmm. it's like, other than that, we'll just stay stagnant, you know? And it's like, we won't, we won't really do anything. And sometimes it's like, we need people to pretty much come at us. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I think you in life, you're a big product or a byproduct of your environment. So you know, I was surrounded by people that really didn't push me mm-hmm. in 
because I get it. Like it's it's tough. But then you think about like people in the NBA and all the basketball players and the, and their odds as well. It's just mm-hmm. hard to, to try to do it in racing. And right. I'm very thankful for Tony and he's been a huge, huge asset and not just only like the racing aspect, but a personal aspect of mm-hmm. really pushing me outside my comfort zone. Like, hey, I know it's scary, but you got to go out there and try. Like anytime right. I run, first time I ran at Fort City, I was like, absolutely not. Like I'm running with big names like yeah Kyle Bush here like there's no way and then you're like you know what like I shouldn't have to feel like I'm in their way or mm-hmm. I don't be and stuff like that even though I am the only girl out here and and stuff like that so I think it's definitely important and and anything that you're doing and something that I really preach to other generations and younger people even it's outside of racing like have your environment that people surround you push you 100% for what you're doing because at the end of the day like yeah you can motivate yourself and say I can do it and have the drive but it's also having other people surround you that on your off days because you're not going to be motivated up yeah. every single day. There's times where I'm like, you know what, racing, do I want to do it? Because it's hard. Mm-hmm. But then saying, you know what, no, get up. You can do it. Like, you know, that's that's a huge, I think, part of life. Yeah. And no, and you're absolutely right. Your inner circle can literally be what makes you or break you. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, a lot of people, and you you hear it from, like, a lot of people, like Gary V and all different people yep. like that. The five people that are closest to you are literally, like, you are them. Like, you yeah. are a combination of those five close people. So if you have people that are around you that are negative all the time, they pretty much don't motivate you. They pretty much make it seem as if, like, you can't do what you truly want to do. You're never going to amount to, you know, to what you truly want to be, you know, your potential won't be there because you constantly surround yourself with people that don't, that don't motivate you or they don't even motivate themselves. So yeah, you have to be very mindful of the people that you surround yourself with. Um, and you know, it's like, uh, like, yeah, you might be my friend, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, if you're constantly negative around me and you don't support me at all, like, do I truly want you to be a friend? Right? Like, so you, yeah, you have to be mindful of the people that you have around you. And also a lot of times, a lot of people don't, don't want this, but sometimes you outgrow people. And a lot of times you will, because you're going to be in a different part of your journey than those other people are. Like they might be stagnant and you might be constantly growing. And when you grow, you grow away from people. Like, and sometimes that happens. It can be people that you've known for like, I like, for example, like I lost a friend that that was a few years ago that I had been friends with for 20 years over, over me, you know, growing in a different direction. And that, that just happens sometimes. Like, and you have to be okay with it. I mean, it sucks too. I mean, cause obviously mm-hmm. that's a long time to know somebody and then, you know, you just not be friends anymore, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, she's on a totally different part of her journey and okay. You know, like I support what she's doing, you know, but we're just supporting, I'm just supporting mm-hmm. her from a very far distance. Right? Yeah. No, and, yeah. And sometimes you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay yep. with losing people. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're just going a different route. And sometimes that means people don't grow with you. Yeah. And so. that's kind of like racing too. Like Tony always tells me, he's like, it's lonely at the top. Like mm-hmm. the bigger you become, the more that you win or whatever, like all those people that supported you aren't really going to support you anymore yep. or, you know, they don't want you to do better than them. And that's something mm-hmm. that like 
in racing, you got to have tough skin, like yeah. especially being a girl in, in racing and stuff like that. And, you know, I typically don't like I don't pull the girl card and stuff like that. But right. it is hard and you have to understand that people support you, but they only support you so far. Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And you're right. It's like people are only going to support you as as much as they'll support themselves. Yeah. Like and because it's like we don't really think about it, but we technically project like our own insecurities, our own yeah. things onto other people mm -hmm. and practically they mirror us. So it's like if we are constantly not motivating ourselves or we're mm -hmm. not or we're being triggered by a ton of things and we're not really doing anything for ourselves that projects onto other people and that comes back to you yeah. and so it's like that means those people are not going to be really supportive of you they're not going to really be you know the people that you really want to surround yourself with and it's like yeah like we have to kind of step back and reflect as well it's like well am i yeah. being triggered by certain things am i you know not happy about my own life and that's why i'm like projecting that onto another person because that's most most of the time that's what that is like those hate mm -hmm. comments you get and all of that it's because those people are miserable with their <laughs> own lives and so they're yes. just projecting it on you and yeah. so that's why like i don't i don't really um because that was one thing my husband told me he's like you know the bigger you get with this podcast the more people that don't like you are gonna come you know mm -hmm and probably say things and i said and at one time that would have scared the hell out of me because yeah. i'm like yeah you're right you know like uh, like i would have hid away and stuff and i'm like but i'm like but at the same time the people that vibe with me the people that resonate are going mm -hmm. to find me so like i don't care like i would like there's a big pro versus the con and yeah. so yeah so it, it's like, it's worth it because it's like, if I'm living out my dream, people that see that and you're doing the same thing, especially younger women and younger girls that don't really see a lot of women in motorsports, period, no matter what they do, yeah. um, this motivates them to get into that, into this space in some way, whether yeah. that is being an actual racer like you on the dirt side, or them possibly racing on asphalt, you know, cause they saw Haley Deegan, you know, yeah. uh, racing or Mandy Chick or whoever mm -hmm. in NASCAR, or they see myself or Ash Vandalay, you know, being content creators. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I could do that too, you know, but doing something in the motorsports space or like seeing Jacqueline Drake, you know, being mm -hmm. a presenter, um, you know, for the cars tour and NASCAR and stuff. And so they're like, oh, well, you know, I want to get into doing that. So yeah, it's like, we all end up being examples because we pushed ourselves out of our comfort zones and yeah. we're showing other women and young girls that, hey, you can do this too. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, this is not like a gatekeeping thing where only yeah. so many people can do it. Like if you just take a chance on yourself, you can do this, you know, like, yeah. And I think that's a big part of racing for me. Like we were at the deuces wild shootout in, in Indiana mm -hmm. and, uh, we went out there and I've never raced that track and stuff like that. So really my goal was, I wanted to make an A main, but my right. goal was just try it out, try mm -hmm. it out. And you know, what went beyond for me was I had, well, so the promoters of them, one of them is my sponsor, the people who put on the track and, 
uh, a guy from the Air Force and his daughter came out, never been to a dirt track race in their entire life. And uh-huh. they came up to them and said, hey, we've never been here. Like, do you have any recommendations of people we should go to in the pits mm-hmm. who we talk to? And uh, I mean, there's probably over 200 drivers at this race. Oh, wow. And uh, they looked at them and said, go check out Ashley Abdul. Talk to her. Hmm. Like, she's, you know, a great individual in this sport. And I think that right there, you know, when there's times where I'm like, man, I'm not making the A main or I'm mm-hmm. not doing but this is why I'm in racing. Like, right. they came over and we had them sit in our cars and I gave her a free shirt. And, you know, she wants to work on engines and be a part of not even racing itself, but, you know, the car community. And, right. And that's something that I always make sure I take time for is like people who follow me. I had another guy come that was a county sheriff in Indiana and he came and gave me a little pin uh, that they only give out to special people in Indiana. And that's oh. a county. And, you know, I'm like, this is why I do what I do. And, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, maybe the close, super close people to me might not support me anymore. The people at the track might not like me, but I'm like, you know what? There's people out there that have no idea who I am personally but they're like my ride or die. Like they're out there going, you know what? I love that you're out there and you look great. Even though you were in a B main, like that is so awesome. Like I inspire to be you and all that. I'm like, you know what? Like this, I am okay with taking hate, like the heat. I'm okay with getting hated on or whatever. Mm -hmm. Bigger picture is I'm racing and having fun and inspiring people that hope that they can do something similar. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's all worth it in the end. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you know, you see, the example that you are creating for, you know, for different people, you know, what, I mean, it doesn't even have to just be for women or girls, you know, like it can be, you know, men and young boys too, you know, like it can be anybody. Um, but it's the fact that like you see the support that you get and yeah. And I mean, it makes you feel amazing because it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm doing something right because, I do have some supporters, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes the negative, the negativity can be louder than the supporters, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that just happens. And sometimes you just have to weed out that noise and, and be okay with it, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, like it's all worth it in the end. Like, and that's how I feel too. It's like, yeah, like I'm not like, I stop really caring about numbers and things like that. Cause I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Like how many downloads I have or whatever. It's like the fact that if I get through to one person, like the fact that, you know, our guest, Sorry. <laughs> nothing to see here. That's okay. okay. <laughs> no. Another one crazy out there. Dang dogs. <laughs> you're no, fine. I thought you were facing that way. I didn't know. Oh no, you're fine. Way. So, could have at yeah. least had Ashley after a racing shirt on. Right. Like, I mean, could have been promoting, you know, like, uh, sorry. But no, uh, I agree. And, you know, when I really noticed, I guess, like the transition of people that you race with, mm-hmm. not like supporting you is uh, I won my first ever heat race. And it was actually at Tony's wife and son's memorial race that he puts on. And I won oh, my okay. in my rookie year. And everyone was like, giving, you know, me high fives and like, that is so awesome. Like, it's so cool, like hugs. And then, you know, like that next year we came into the year and um, I won back-to-back heat races. Like every race we went out, I was just dominating a few of them. And uh, instantly it was like, nope, like we don't support you. We don't clap for you. Like you could just see in their eyes, wow. like, this, this chick, like she's serious now, like she's getting better. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing how in karting and it's, it sucks that it's like that. And it's yeah. something that I 
you know, I hope, you know, not even just females, but other people understand that, like, that's okay. Like, you know, it, you don't have to be loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we've talked about like having your inner circle is the most important. I don't need Joe Schmo at the racetrack to give me a high five to know that I just dominated. Right. Like at the end of the day, it's just going to fuel me to keep beating you. So, yeah. um, you know, I hope that's something that I really do try to share within my racing. If I never get to sprint cars or anything that like, you know, that that's okay. Like keep doing you, you're going to have more lows than you do high and um, just keep riding it out. And, you know, you're going to get heat online and in person, especially being a female in racing, mm-hmm. but don't let that deter you from doing it. Like you just got to come in with a boss girl attitude, you know, yeah. you just gotta, you, know, you just gotta be that and have thick skin and, and be nice to everybody. Like there's, I've never been mean to another female just because mm-hmm. I want to be the best female. You know, I've had people at the Tulsa shootout being like, all we want is our daughter to beat you in this race. That's all we care about. It's like, it shouldn't be like that. No. We should be like, you know what? Let's run one, two, and three. Like, you know, it's all yeah. like, and that's something that, you know, I, in females in racing, we need to lift each other's, mm-hmm. we lift each other, but not, you know, knock each other's crown down. We should be fixing it and helping each other. So exactly i love that because it's like yeah exactly like we're all queens and we need to fix each Mm -hmm. other's crowns and not tell each other that not tell them that it's not that it's messed up right just fix it exactly like like women empowerment like we should be supporting each other because there's not enough of us in the space in the first place like so Mm -hmm. why are we why are we hating on each other when we should be supporting each other because it's like we're the minority, you know, there's mm-hmm. not enough of us in this space, no matter what we're doing, whether we're, you're a racer, whether you're a presenter, whether, you know, you're an engineer or a crew mm-hmm. chief or whatever, there's not enough of us in this space. And yes, I'm glad. I mean, I've been in the racing community for 18 years now, and I've seen a huge shift. I mean, there's a lot yeah. more women now than there were when I first, you know, yeah got into the racing community but at the same time there's still not enough you Mm -hmm. know and so yeah we should be always like supporting each other and we shouldn't be tearing each other down and i mean unfortunately you know there are some women in racing that yeah they might have made it i'm not gonna name names but they've made it and then they've torn other women down and i'm like you know, pretty much saying that they're not going to amount to anything. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, to be honest, a lot of women looked up to you because you were one of the first ones to make it. Mm -hmm. And then you want to tell them that they're not going to really amount to anything. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not guys. Yeah. And like, how does that make sense? Like you just pretty much, ruined like a bunch of women and their and mm-hmm. young girls that had this major outlook on you and like yeah. looked up to you and you just literally ruined that in like one sentence yeah <laughs> i think that's what a lot of people like as you get older and you know you're busy doing your own thing mm-hmm. and like, the more popular you get i guess like you don't really still realize how big of an impact even mm-hmm. as you know, someone even racing at your local track and being mm-hmm. a girl, like the kids are the most impressionable. And I think oh, yeah. we tend to forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really take time. Like I've got a couple drivers that I sponsor in PA that do quarter midgets and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's just so important because I know when I was eight years old, if mm-hmm. I didn't 
back and, and see her, see the driver and go sit in her car. Like, and she was so nice to me. I wouldn't probably want to race today. And I right. hope that more people in the racing guy or girl, like really take time for the younger generations. Cause it's the most important. doesn't matter if you don't win. doesn't matter if you do bad, like in, in their eyes, you are like the pinnacle of what they mm-hmm. want to do. You're still able to drive out there and, and they're not yet. And so they look so up to you and you should take every opportunity and really take the time to, to be nice. <laughs> Just yeah. be kind. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like you mentioned, like kids are so impressionable and like that stays with them. Like it, it does. It stays with them forever. Like, I mean, cause you even hear of adults, like going back on memories of like, well, I met this person, like when I was this age and like, they were mean to me and like, yeah. it made me not won't care about them ever again, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it stays with them, but also at the same time, it's like children are, are the other generation that's going to yeah. keep racing alive. And if yeah. you cannot be a part of that change, like that shift to be able to keep this going multi-generational, then it will die. Because, yeah. you know, and I mean, we're, we're already starting to see that issue right now. Like a mm-hmm. lot of Gen Zers do not care about racing, you yeah. know, and, it, and we're trying to like make them care because that's mm-hmm. the next generation that w- it will die with if we don't, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, them and Gen Alpha, you know, they're yeah. the next generation. And if they don't have anything to do with racing, racing will die. It'll die with us. And it's like, you know, so we have to be mindful of that because it's like, you know, and also I have to say, like, social media is helping to show like the behind the scenes of like what racing is like. And Mm -hmm. it's helping a lot of women in motorsports, you know, build personal brands and and actually, you know, get people to realize like what motorsports is all about. Because I don't I think like it was so kind of like kept off of people's radar, like yeah. the behind the scenes stuff and everything that a lot of people didn't really know what it was like. They, mm-hmm. they just base it off of what you see on TV, right? Yeah. Which is NASCAR mainly like, you know, you didn't really have a lot of other stuff that was, you know, available to watch on TV because it, it had to, well, it's been a long time. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, back in like the nineties, you did have a lot more, especially dirt, broadcast it like on ESPN and, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, now it's like, you either have to get like flow or dark vision or, you know, or different, you know, different things like that. And it's like it, even though there's streaming services, it's not mainstream media. And so it makes it harder for the dirt side to really get like that recognition um, and that's what, that's what sucks about it. Because I'll be honest, like, I mean, I love NASCAR. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But when you've been to a dirt race, dirt is like way more entertaining, way more, like exciting. way yeah. more exciting. Like there's so much more stuff that can go, that can happen yeah. or go wrong too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's like, if more people could experience that, that was the first ever race that I went to was a world of outlaws race at Pike County Speedway. And I will okay. remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Cause that was literally the first race my husband ever brought me to. And, uh, unfortunately Pike County is, well, they're kind of closed and then they're kind of not like, it's a weird thing. It's like, if, 
if somebody will come up with the money for a weekend to sponsor a race, sure, yeah. they'll, they'll open, but other than that, they're not. And that was the first time I'd ever been to like a large racetrack, you know, not like a go-kart track or something yeah. like that. And yeah, that was like one of the best races I ever seen. Um, and then after that, anytime they would come anywhere near Louisiana, we went, you know, mm-hmm. and then like when we moved to Texas, because Texas Motor Speedway, you know, you have the dirt track right there. We went and saw, um, ASCS, they mm-hmm. were running, um, one night and stuff. And yeah, like we live at the dirt track. I mean, it, it's like, it's a huge part of our lives. It's always been a part of our lives. And it's like, I, we always recommend that people at least see one dirt track race mm-hmm. one time. Like, well, just I think it also it. just falls on like a lot of tracks in general. Yeah. Like, promotion, like was a big mm-hmm. thing. In Promote it. Like there was countless times where people were like, wait, they're still racing in Arizona. Like there's still dirt track races around. Like I think it's a 50, 50 feel. Like if you're a driver, like posting about it and getting people out mm-hmm. there in tracks as well like if you don't share about it you don't put flyers like nobody's gonna know and uh like a lot of like social media especially is good for getting like the the newer generations mm-hmm. that's about but you know you still have like the die hard race fans that are older and don't watch social media or on social media yeah. so, you know like going back and you know putting stuff in newspapers and mm-hmm. all promoting it um to get people more out i think that's something just you know, as a whole, I think a lot of tracks we all need to work on and as drivers right. posting and sharing and getting people more out. Cause once you go, you'll get hooked. That's what I did. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. And yeah, and you're right. Exactly. A lot of tracks, they just rely on their regulars to show yeah. up. And, and that's the horrible way to do it. Because the yeah. thing is you need newer people that have never been to a dirt track before to, to be able to keep it alive. Because other than that, that's also why a lot of tracks are closing is because they're not getting their return on investment because mm-hmm. they're depending on their regulars to show up. And yeah. that's it. And now in this time with social media being such a big thing, you've got to like yeah. actually invest in in mm-hmm. promoting your track. You cannot just depend on regulars because yeah. I hate to say that, but most of your regulars are older generations. And, and unfortunately- they don't social media. Yeah. Right. But also they, they're dying out. I mean, let's just be honest. People die. Like people are all, get old. I mean, and oh, yeah, you no, can't depend on, you can't just depend on that. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, that's just catering to the older generation. You need the younger generation to keep it going forever because yeah. this is a multi-generational sport, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't depend on it like to just last forever. If you don't, if you yeah. don't start with the kids and I mean, you, there's only so many kids that you're going to reach with regulars, right? Yeah. That's not enough to be able to sustain it. Well, I think too, if like tracks did more, uh, like, obviously I know not everyone has t-shirts and merch, but right. you know, like if more tracks in the front area, like you, you don't have to go in the pits, right. you know, having tents where people can sell their merchandise mm-hmm. and not like oh, i need 50 percent off your sales it's like well you want me to sell merch because you want people to come back you know and like we're big into throwing t-shirts into crowds at big shows and local yeah. shows and just really interacting with the fans so that they want to keep coming back mm-hmm. and so 
Um, I think that's a big thing. It's like a 50-50 deal, like, you know, promoting online, but also promoting at a track, like right. taking the time and letting drivers sell their merchandise and not trying mm-hmm. to charge them for it because they're already right. charging good passes, but exactly. you know, get that fan interaction so they want to come back. Like, that's why NASCAR and stuff is also so big because they have all the haulers, you mm-hmm. know, that's why these midget races or Knoxville sprint cars, because they have all these haulers, but it's like, okay, well, yeah, NASCAR's always going to be loved like that's just yeah you know and the bigger people are always going to be loved but you got to look at your grassroots team mm-hmm. like you exactly. want showing up you know that's what impacts the community even more so you know letting them sell merch in person and doing all that i think is equally as important and i wish more tracks would do <laughs> yeah no i agree and yeah like you mentioned we have to focus on the grassroots part because yeah nascar mm-hmm. has been here like it's been here forever yeah. like and, and not saying that NASCAR isn't losing fans. I mean, obviously it shifts all the time, right? Yeah. Between mm-hmm. them, IndyCar, all of the bigger organizations. Let's yeah. take them out of it. All of your local tracks, your smaller organizations that don't get TV time, that don't get the promotions mm-hmm. that they should, you know, to be able to get more people to see them. Pretty much they have to depend mm-hmm. on social media or word of mouth or whatever. Yeah. Those those organizations have to really make sure that they that they keep people in it for generations to come because mm-hmm. it's not like nascar where nascar has been around forever even if you truly yeah. aren't even a nascar fan you know what it is you know yeah because it it's just been here forever same mm-hmm. thing with indycar most people know what it is even if they're not even yeah. you know even if they don't watch it but not everybody knows what the world of outlaws is not everybody yeah. knows what IMSA is, right? I mean, even mm-hmm. though IMSA is starting to get bigger now because, you know, mm-hmm. NASCAR bought them. So, like, a lot of people are starting to know who they are. GT World Challenge, yeah, and you, yeah people know what that is, you know, mainly yeah. outside of the U.S., but you still have some people that know it. But other than, and of course, people know what F1 is, even though, you know, because it's, it's just whatever. Like, everybody knows yeah. what that is. But yeah. You know, you don't know about a lot, a lot of these smaller divisions. And so it's like, we have to, you know, ASCS, yeah, it's been around for a little while. Luke Mm Soil has been around for a little while, but people still don't really know much about them, you know? And it's like, we've got to like really focus on those organizations. You know, NHRA has been around forever. Yeah. You know, AMA has been around forever, but still like a lot of people don't don't know much um especially about the dirt side like you'd be surprised how many people people don't know know anything about the dirt Mm -hmm. side of of racing at all it's like they only know asphalt that's it they don't know anything about dirt and and it's sad because literally everything started on dirt yeah (laughs) and it's and it's tough because like you know like obviously i don't come from money you know Mm -hmm. like Honestly, if I uh, had famous parents and I had a lot of money and I raced, I probably wouldn't worry about social media because, right. you know, there's really not a reason to where I rely so heavily on social media. And mm-hmm. I think, I think you know, track should get more into it because I've seen the impact it can do. Right. But, you know, it makes it harder for grassroots people to not be able to get sponsorships because mm-hmm. you've got to pitch it to a brand and they're like, I don't even know what, if it ain't NASCAR or it ain't IndyCar, I don't know what you're talking about. And it probably doesn't exist, but it does. It's just, you know, trying to convince them that like the local people are going to give you a way 
bigger return of investment if you just trust me. But trying to trust right. somebody, they're not going to give you 20 grand to do that. They're going to be like, okay, call me when you're in NASCAR. It's like, right. You know, but well, it's, it's like, you've got to start somewhere. Like, how mm -hmm. am I going to get to NASCAR if I can't? You won't even sponsor me now. But then you get them out there. Like, I've invited sponsors, and they're like, oh, this is actually really cool. Yeah. Like, you go out here and you experience it. But, you know, trucks don't do that enough or promote it where it's mm -hmm. the people out there. You just got to hope someone likes you and trusts you enough to come out and then fall in love with the sport. <laughs> right. And, and, that, and I think that's one thing, too, that a lot of dirt tracks are missing is the hospitality part. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, a lot of road courses, they have the all those yeah. hospitality packages and like, you got like all this stuff and dirt tracks just don't have that. Yeah. And I get why they don't, because obviously dirt tracks are mainly local. the local grassroots thing. But I think if there was some type of balance there, like, mm -hmm. kind of, like not fully hospitality, like paddocks and things like that, yeah. I don't think, no, but if there was some type of, you know, median there, yeah. you know, I think you'd have a lot more people like be more like interested when it comes to like, especially like having sponsors come right. And mm -hmm. like trying to, you know, build that part of it yeah. up, you know, more of like an event management type side yeah. of it. Um, yeah, that, I feel that might be one of the issues, like one of the disconnects with dirt, mm -hmm. it, you know, and that's something that asphalt and, you know, road courses, you know, those type of tracks Have do pretty well, you know, on. There is um, a dirt track. I mean, don't butcher me on it, but I know it's Vado. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's in New Mexico. Oh, no. Um, I don't know if it's Vado Speedway. I've been there once, played mm -hmm. cornhole. <laughs> um, but I went there and I like, it's normally bigger cars and stuff mm -hmm. late models that run on it and stuff. And it's where the, uh, oh, I want to say wild west shootout, which used to be at Arizona speedway. I think they run it there now since. Oh, Arizona. okay. Um, but I've never been and I was shocked with how nice it was. I mean, complete concrete concourse. They had sweet oh, wow. actual bathrooms and like a, the facility, like my sister and brother and all that we've been to dirt track races but now it's tough getting them out there when you're like mm -hmm. hey you got to go pee in a porta potty and they're like absolutely not like right about that yeah nice facilities and even as a racer i'm like heck yeah this place is actual bathrooms i don't mm -hmm. have a trailer this is nice so yeah it takes money you know um, right but it's cool when you go to places like Vado and you see how nice the facilities are you're mm -hmm. like you know what there might be hope for some dirt track racing and that's like port city like when we went we were shocked. Like there's a bar at the facility. It's nice. Oh, wow. There's bathrooms and it's, you know, you don't get to see it a lot of times because mm -hmm. on, you know, low or dirt to media, like you just see the track, but right. in person it's completely different. You know, you show people, you know, do a walk around there on social media. Hey, what's going on? We're at port city today. This is what, you know, the behind the scenes and they've got little box seats on top and, and stuff like that and show people that it might entice people that are not like, like the, I always say, there's NASCAR people, IndyCar people. They're completely different worlds. Right. Like trying to get people the dirt track world that might not like dirt. You know, they're not outside people, but showing right. them how nice it can. Then they're like, oh, okay, I'll go there. I don't feel like I'm going to be going. You know, there's that like misconception or whatever that like you're going to go sit on the ground in mm -hmm. the dirt. Sorry, my doorbell things went off, but okay. you're going to go sit in the dirt field and watch some races. But it's not like that. But it's because you know tracks don't show the what it's actually like. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like being able to show people like how the experience is, like they mm -hmm. immerse, like to immerse themselves in the experience 
a lot of tracks miss that out. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they miss Mm -hmm. out on that and being able to show people that. Um, and also a lot of tracks just do not, they might have like a Facebook page or something like that, Mm -hmm. but all they post is just like when they're racing, they don't do video. They don't show anything. They don't go live at their track on the nights that they run. Like doing that type of stuff is crucial. I did Mm -hmm. that actually. I did that when Pike County, they did, um, they did a three day, you know, show. Um, mm-hmm. and I did that cause they actually ran ads for it on the podcast and I actually did some behind the scenes footage and I went live on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The people that watched it, it was, a. I got like just one of those videos. Cause I, I went live like three times. One of those mm-hmm. videos got over 800 views in that night because yeah. and because people wanted to see like they wanted mm-hmm. to see the behind the scenes stuff like none of them do that none of them like yeah. will even walk i was most of the time i was just walking through the pits because that's yeah. where we were because my husband raced um that weekend i was walking through the pits talking to people like you know hey where are you from like what are you got you know yeah. who are you supporting here whatever and the, you know and i also filmed some of the races you know while while we, i was live like Mm-hmm. nobody was doing that like yeah it's and i know it's tough because it comes from like a money standpoint like i know a lot of tracks might not be able to afford it and you know you've got promoters like dirt to me does a really good job at mm-hmm. showing in the scenes during their races and flow and power eye and and stuff like that but from a local standpoint you know like someone might go well you know 100 views on my live isn't that much but you're like well what do you put it in a niche racing 100 right. people is a lot of people yeah like 500 yeah, it's a lot of people that aren't there, obviously. That exactly. Out. And so, yeah, I think, well, I guess if racing doesn't ever work out, maybe I'm going to have to go do like, a, you know, a dine-ins and drive-ins or whatever, like Guy Perry, <laughs> but it's race tracks. Today, we're at another local track. But if someone could do that and just show people, I think you get a lot, a bigger fan turnout. Yeah, you would. And then that's the thing. Like, you know, there was people that were like, you know, like, and this is just a small track in Mississippi. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like this was some huge event. Some, Mm -hmm. you know, no, it was just a track in Mississippi, you know, like a local track. And I got like 700 something views in one night. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all I did was I promoted it on, on mine. And then like, I dropped something in their comments on their, on their page saying that I was going to be live streaming from the track. That's it. I did not put in any money to promote this, nothing. And I mean, I didn't even like stay live for extremely long. It's just like somebody Mm -hmm. could literally just do that with their phone at the track. Like if you didn't want to pay anything, you literally could just have somebody that works there, just use their phone and go live on your Facebook page. And that's it. It doesn't cost anything. Offer a fan, somebody watching and you say, Hey, you can have a free pit pass or whatever. I just need you to film. We're like, heck yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like it would be that simple. Like it doesn't cost anything because all you use is your phone. You don't have to have fancy equipment or nothing like that. You know, not yeah. you don't have to be like flow or dirt vision or anything like yeah. that. You can just mm-hmm. use your phone. Like sometimes our phones even have better qualities than some of these expensive cameras, which is really weird. Yeah. But you know, and do it like that. And I mean, it, it's crazy how many people and like there was like a few people that were like, you know, 
I would literally pay for somebody to do this, like go to like, like to watch, like subscribe, like just to go for somebody Mm -hmm. to go to local tracks that you can't see on like flow or dirt vision. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and pay to watch a live stream. And I'm like, yeah, that's like a lot of tracks aren't able to get, you know, obviously the live feeds and, Mm -hmm. you know, like dirt to media, like I said, they do, he's huge in the Mm -hmm. micro sprint race mainly what he focuses on and being able to go to local tracks and have people able to pay a subscription and, and watch that might not be able to go to their local track. I right. think is, is, cause I know not everyone can have, you know, the big, the big names and, and all that, but you know, it's cool that micro sprints, I feel like were really overlooked, but now mm-hmm. people like falling owner of uh, dirt to media are able to go and, and film and, and show these local tracks and people are like, Oh, micro sprints do exist. Oh, this is cool. Like we don't have to always watch sprint cars or midgets or NASCAR. Like we can right. watch something that's different and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. 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 And, and also it exposes, you know, micro sprints more to people that mm-hmm. might not have known anything about them, you know, yeah. cause I mean that that's the biggest thing about dirt is that there's so many different types of cars that run on dirt and some, and some tracks don't run them, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, most of the tracks around here don't run sprint cars, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, if you're one to run, if you're going to run a sprint car, you've got to go to Arklatex up there, yeah. you know? And like, that's mm-hmm. far for some people. Um, yeah. and so, you know, so yeah, like here, yeah, the sprint cars run every now and then at Baton Rouge Raceway, mm-hmm. but that's not very often. They might run, yeah. run like three or four times a year, um, mm-hmm. and that's it. Sometimes even twice. You know, it just really depends. But yeah, so I mean, if you if you are wanting to watch sprint cars, you know, around here, you have to make sure that you can just find you know, a stream somewhere. And I believe yeah. Arklatex, they do their own stream. I think so. Yeah. Um, through a, like a local company or something mm-hmm. like that up there um, that that does it. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like if they, that's not available, then, you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to see it and you have no idea. And that, yeah, that's why I'm like, just get somebody with, with a phone to do it. <laughs> like, I mean, could you then that way, you, you know, cause it's, mm-hmm. it's no different than like, so like GT world challenge, mm-hmm. they stream their stuff on YouTube and Twitch. Oh, they yeah. don't have TV. They yeah. don't like, they don't have media rights or nothing like that. Like one, like they're not syndicated or anything. Yeah. They just and that's on the, YouTube and Twitch. Yeah. And that's the generation you're trying to hit anyway. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily always need TV. If you can just hit it with social media, like you'll impact a whole new environment. It's just like TikTok. If a track would just yeah. promote and all that might pop off and next thing you know, they've gone viral and are able to get mm-hmm. So it's definitely something I think that, you know, us as drivers and people who support racing and tracks all need to work on, but right. hopefully, hopefully as time continues on, they'll, they'll be able to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And well, there's just so many different platforms too. And so you just kind of have to find the one that works for you. Like it's trial and error. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, Facebook, I mean, you have a lot of older generations yeah. that are on there. So, I mean, you can kind of get everybody on Facebook. Like you don't have a lot of the younger generation on there, yeah. but Instagram, you have everybody yeah. from younger to older. So mm-hmm. you actually have a better like opportunity to like touch all the demographics mm-hmm. by being on Instagram. Yeah. You know, but then TikTok, obviously that's going to be mainly younger people. Younger. Yeah. 
So it really just depends on like what demographic you really want to, you really mm-hmm. want to target. But like, if you're, if you're like, uh, we don't really want to do a ton, but we just want to like still kind of hit all of the demographic, then Instagram is going to be your yeah. best bet, you know, right. but, but yeah, like it just really depends on what people want to do. Um, but a lot of times they just put up a Facebook page and they call it a day. <laughs> Racing tonight live. Here's that. Right. Exactly. Here's and the coordinates. Like, Pop that in your navigation system and come on out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're just popping in coordinates and stuff, you know, <laughs> but you, you got to learn your latitude and longitude. Literally. You know? <laughs> I think just racing in general, it's a, it's a so... It's such a good old boy sport, as I always used to say, you know, Mm -hmm. it it took so long for people to turn their heads to even allow women in racing. So I think it's so general, generationally, if that's a word, so built up that like, Mm -hmm. it's going to take time for people to convince on these track people on these tracks, like, hey, social media is a thing. Because right now they're like, it's not. But as years and years go on, I think it'll it'll catch on and more females will show up and people will be more accepting as of Mm -hmm. it. You know, you'll see more females in the top racing and, and stuff like that. It just, it takes time and a lot of hard work of, of convincing the top dogs that, you know, yep. things are changing because I know a lot of old people suck in their ways and, you know, they cut their grass a certain way and they don't want to cut any other way, you know, mm-hmm. ways. So, you know, I think we just all need to slowly start changing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, just look what happened in the, in the midgets, Jade. One first time ever we've had a woman win a championship. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, mm-hmm. history in the making right there. Mm-hmm. And it's like right there, it shows you that women are here. Exactly. Yeah. Women are here in motorsports and they can dominate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you had um Ashley, um, oh, what's her last name? Freiberg. Oh, that I, went I don't yeah. know how to pronounce her last name. I think that's how you say it. I, I hope so. Porsche. I'm sorry, Ashley, if I put yeah, you her last name. Either, but she's awesome. But, but yeah, yeah she, she won the Porsche Sprint Challenge, right? And I mean, so you have, like, you have so many women that are, like, literally starting to dominate in these sports, you know, in these different yeah. organizations that where men have only won. And yeah. they're, like, the first women to ever do it. And yeah, it's like, crazy. yeah. So, I mean, Personally, right there. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I was so happy for them because I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know? So it's cool to like hear, you know, like Ashley, I know she was, you know, chasing that for so long and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It's, you know, I don't ever look at it. Like, I think a lot of people need to change their mindset of being like, oh, well, I don't support them because they're doing better than me. But it's like, oh, no, they're actually breaking barriers. Like, right. Jade is such a cool person and she's super nice. And, Mm -hmm. I think it just hopefully opens people's eyes that like things are changing and you know and that that's okay like it shouldn't matter when you put your helmet on it's the same thing as if you're in any male industry you know whether right. it's you're a heavy equipment operator and stuff mm-hmm. like i think it's an ego thing that people need to get over and um i think soon hopefully people will change their mind and women just need the opportunity to prove that they can be out there and that's the biggest thing like you know a lot of people if they get on me and stuff like that it's like well, yeah, I mean, I'm not racing for a, a big team. Like, it, it t- it's hard to change those guys' minds yeah. and be like, hey, give me a girl an opportunity or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. It's I think if women are given more of an opportunity to be drivers, then I think we'd see a huge shift in, in wins and stuff like that. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, that luckily with Jade, you know, she was given that opportunity, oh, you I'm know, and, yeah. And she worked extremely hard for where she, you know, where she is. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of people sometimes <laughs> it's like when you see comments, it's like, they make it seem as if like women are just showing up just to like, look cool and like to be pretty on a race car. No, yeah. like most of the time these women are working twice if not three times as hard you know to get into these positions than a male would because mm -hmm. people think have that mindset that oh they're just here to look pretty and they don't they're not really worth the time or the yeah. effort to put into and it's like no that's why they have to work so hard to prove themselves is because yeah. of that mindset because people mm -hmm. think that they're not really oh they're not really competitive they're just here just to look pretty yeah like no like you guys are working a lot of people are like that. oh you're only racing because you know you're a girl and you must get lots of sponsors it's like i wish that was the <laughs> my life would be a lot easier you know? right a lot of people be like, man, you you just have you know daddy's money, and I was like, I wish you don't. If I did, you wouldn't see me uh working so hard. But you know, unfortunately, right. it's that way, and and women have to work just you know just as hard, and not if you know, like you said, harder because it's hard to gain the trust of these mm -hmm. and stuff because it's not normal and not right. a thing for women to be in racing and to show that you actually want it and you're there to race. So uh, it's definitely intimidating and it's hard. But you know, I hope that other mm -hmm. women can do it and you just you just got to keep breaking those barriers and proving people wrong right exactly and and luckily we have a lot more women right now that are doing yeah. that you 100%. know more than what we've ever had yeah um and so and i'm and i'm glad that like you and jade and taylor ferns you know a lot of you that are on the oh and lacy ferno you yeah. know a lot of you guys on that on the dirt side um, and I mean, Katie Hedinger too, cause I mean, she races some under, you know, when she can't, but you know, that you guys are like really starting to like show people, you know, <laughs> that there are more women in dirt because yeah. that's been a huge issue too, is that we haven't had a ton of women in dirt lately, yeah. you know, like before, before Aaron Everham, we didn't really have anybody, you yeah. know, and like, she's kind of the one that really broke that barrier you know, being the first woman in the world of outlaws. And then after mm -hmm. that, it's like, you know, you didn't really see a lot of women still, you know, you just kind of saw them every now and then, you know, but then you, and then you've got also like Harley white and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Kaylee as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, you got, now you're starting to see a lot more women in dirt and I'm happy about it because it's like, yeah. that's the side where you don't tend to see a lot of women yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, you mainly see women more on like the road course and the asphalt mm -hmm. side, and you don't really see women in, in dirt. And so yeah. I'm so glad that we're starting to see that shift in dirt because yeah. it, it, it's been needed for a very long time. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause mm -hmm. I, I can tell you right now, 18 years ago, I couldn't even name a woman that was, yeah. that was in dirt mm -hmm. besides Erin. Yeah. Like she was probably the last one that I can really yeah. think of that like really made it far. Yeah, or compete full time at the World of Outlaws. Right. Yeah. Not any off the top of my head that I no, but no, not at all. I don't even think there was an, another woman that competed in the World of Outlaws after her. Uh, full time. Yeah. 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 I don't think so. Not at all. 
And that and that's sad. Like mm-hmm. in and that's been way too long because she stopped what in two thousand, I believe. It was around that time. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you're talking about it's been like twenty three years. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. Like I know a lot of girls that run sprint cars and run some World of Outlaw mm-hmm. races, but I don't. I would assume maybe it's a money thing or maybe the bigger teams of the world of outlaws just don't give those type of opportunities. I I guess. I mean, like the time that a a woman competes full time in world of outlaws is definitely going to be a big thing. And hey, but the rate Jade's going, hopefully it's Jade. I hope so. I hope so. I hope they give her the opportunity because I mean, the extreme outlaws is owned by the world of outlaws anyway. So you would hope that they would give her that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope so because it's like, it's been too long. Yeah. It's probably been about 20 years since, cause I, like I said, I believe she ended, I think it was 2000 or 2001 Mm -hmm. when she stopped. And so, yeah, so it's been, it's been at least 22, 23 years. Yeah. And that's sad. Like it should not be that long um, that you've seen a woman in the world of outlaws. So, yeah. Um, But, you know, I mean, Erin kind of got out of it because she started having kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. And it makes sense, you know, like she wanted a family and, but yeah, we just haven't had any women like really make it into the world of outlaws um and i don't know if that if it's just that people are not wanting to take a chance on, yeah, on women is, yeah but i don't know i have no idea but for mm-hmm. some reason it's been about 20 years since we've yeah. had a woman on that side and yeah. that does need to change big time because <laughs> it should not have taken that long we need a female in world of outlaws and a lot of track promotion exactly exactly um and yeah and we need to have less dirt tracks closing you know because mm-hmm. that's yeah, a that's huge tough. problem too you mm-hmm. know all these tracks closing because the less tr- grassroots tracks that we have it's yeah. going to be harder and harder for people to like really get into racing because you're mm-hmm. going to have to start traveling extremely far to be able to race yeah. if you want to and yeah and with gas prices uh -uh. (laughs) exactly right now oh my gosh no like that's part of the reason why we don't travel cost of a right rear tire Uh uh-uh my my micro alone i can't be traveling already right exactly between that inflation and gas prices yeah yeah, it's rough. Unfortunately, we've picked a very expensive either career if you're doing it full time or a hobby if you're doing it part time. Yeah. But either way, yeah, I said all the time, like, why couldn't I be into like ping pong? But you know, and I said the same thing, like, me and my boyfriend, we play cornhole and stuff. But man, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, even that mm-hmm. is expensive. Bags, a set of bags is like almost $200. So, oh, wow. I never would have guessed that. That's crazy. I guess any profession, I think just racing is obviously probably has to be the most expensive, but maybe, but yeah. yeah. Why can I just been in crocheting? Man, maybe in my next life, or maybe, maybe. In my previous life, I was into crocheting, and this this life, I decided to pick something more expensive, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and something you have to like literally strap yourself into, you know, yeah, li- literally. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, funny. not something well, that I can do so in the comfort time. of my own home. Yeah, literally. Right. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. This has been a blast. Yeah. I did not realize 
how long we've been chatting. I think I could go another five hours, but you know. That's okay. Honestly, the, the, that's one thing that I love about this is that there's been times, like my longest podcast episode was three and a half hours. Oh I never did that again. Never did that <laughs> said, again, okay, though. Okay, we cut it. Yeah. And, but that's the crazy thing about it. Like when I went back and edited it, because I was like, you know what? I'm sure there's something that like we probably started repeating ourselves or something like that. I couldn't edit anything out because we never repeated anything. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't even cut it. But yeah. it's crazy. But it's one of like the most listened to episodes yeah. that I've ever had. So it worked. It worked. It did. But I if never I did. My, if I'd have my, my race car outside waiting for me to work on, I'd go another two hours. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would but, never do that to somebody. I'm like, we'll, we'll, I'll never do that again. Because like never. for me, that was just like insane. But yeah. But no, it was great talking to you and you coming on and sharing your story. I mean, it, it's an amazing story, you know, because I mean, your your career it's been short so far. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you haven't been racing for a ton of time, but obviously you're making extremely big moves. And like, I can't wait to see everything that you end up doing, you know, going forward. And for you guys that are listening, um, I will link all of Ashley's, like her website, her social media, everything. So you guys can keep up with her racing journey and everything that she's doing. And yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time out. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. We'll have to do this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we can do this again. Well, all right, guys, that was it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ashley. Um, once again, that was an amazing story that she literally just packed up her life from Arizona and traveled 19 hours to start a whole new life in Oklahoma just to be able to pursue her passion of racing full time. And, um, and honestly, I mean, I think a lot of us can learn from that because there's a lot of times where we do not take those chances, um, on ourselves, uh, no matter, no matter what it is. And sometimes that doesn't include like leaving your life behind in one place and then going somewhere else where you don't know anyone. But sometimes that's even just, you know, leaving your corporate job to pursue something that you want to do on your own or, you know, or it could be you taking a class in something, you know, taking up some type of hobby that you that you've been wanting to do for a long time, but you just kind of kept yourself from doing. So, I mean, it can be anything, but just taking that chance on yourself, no matter what it is, um, is something that a lot of us end up holding back on. And I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, because really like, it's just us that's holding ourselves back. It's nobody else. Because to be honest, we don't have to listen to any outside noise. Sure. Sometimes people will give us their opinions or whatever, but that's what it is. It's their opinion. And some, and we've got to use discernment, tune that out and do what we truly feel is best for us. And sometimes that is going against our family, going against our friends, whatever. And, you know, and sometimes you're not going to be supported and you have to go it alone. Um, obviously, everybody wants to have some type of support system, but that's not always the case. And so, yeah, guys, do something that makes you freak out, like literally 
puts you out of your comfort zone because everything you want is outside of your comfort zone. So definitely take a chance on yourself. Something, one thing a day that make pretty much puts you completely on edge that will get you closer to your goals. Um, because I'm telling you, I did it and look at where the podcast is now because I took a chance on myself and now we're almost 50 episodes in and this is the longest I've ever gone with anything. Like this is the most consistent I've ever been with anything in my whole entire life. And I'm only 37, like 37 is not that old, you know, but that's still a long time for me to have finally taken a chance on myself. So anyway, guys, um, I know that was a long rant, whatever (laughs) ramble, but yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Definitely make sure that if you guys are loving this content, um, make sure you share it to other people that have never listened to the podcast before, because obviously, you know, we want more and more women in motorsports, um, to have an audience and have other people listen to their stories. And so, you know, and I, and if you guys are OGs that have been here since day one, I appreciate you because I mean, let's be real. This podcast has been going on for, I mean, it's almost a year now. It'll be a year on December 22nd. And I still can't believe it's been almost a year. Um, and I do appreciate all the support. If you guys, um, are listening either on Apple or Spotify or Podbean, um, wherever you're listening, make sure that you rate, you review, you subscribe so you can make sure that you get our latest episodes right away when they drop. Because guess what? If you are a follower, you know, or you are a part of the newsletter, you get the episodes earlier than everybody else does, because guess what? I drop those episodes on Monday nights and Wednesday nights and everybody else, they don't know until I drop something on social media on Tuesday and Thursdays. So if you want to be pretty much the VIPs, the, you know, get that exclusive content, then you need to be following the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or you need to be a part of the newsletter. And in the newsletter, I drop things in there that nobody else knows about. You know, whether it's new projects that we have coming up, um, like whenever I drop the sponsorship packages, newsletter was the first ones to know. You know, when uh, the YouTube channel was dropping, they were the first ones to know. And they got to, they got to see the first video before everybody else did. So like, yeah, like be sure you subscribe to the newsletter as well. I'll drop that in the description below. So that's it, guys. And so um, I will talk to you guys on either Wednesday night if you're a VIP or Thursday if um, if you guys are just seeing this on social media. So until then, take care and go out and manifest your best life.